Thank you, Dan and choir and instrumentalists for our beautiful worship today. We continue our sermon series from the first book of Samuel. So if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 12 this morning, we'll be looking at uh, various verses there as we go through our text in 1 Samuel chapter 12. The title of this morning's sermon is, Are You Missing Your Memory? Or, don't answer that. Are You Missing Your Memory? Gladys and Eva were driving to their senior adult Sunday school party. The two elderly sisters were thankful to still be on the road at their age, and they regularly took turns driving their big Buick that they shared together. But on this particular road trip, Eva became concerned that Gladys ran two consecutive red lights. Well, she didn't really want to say anything because Gladys was usually a very good driver. She didn't want to hurt her feelings. And so she decided that she would just simply keep a close watch to make sure that it didn't happen again. And sure enough, as they were approaching yet the third intersection, the light was very, very red, and Gladys was just talking away and was going to run right through this red light as well. And Eva nervously shouted, Gladys, it's a red light. She slammed on the brakes. They came to a screeching halt. Gladys's heart was pumping. She looked over at Sister Eva and said, I am so sorry. I thought you were driving today. She forgot that she was driving the car. It's not good to forget some things. Or then there's the husband who got in big trouble because he forgot his wedding anniversary. We're talking about memory and forgetting today. and Forgetting your wedding anniversary is not a good thing. His wife told him tomorrow because you forgot our wedding anniversary today, there better be something in our driveway for me that goes from zero to 200 and about four seconds flat. So the next morning she got up and went out. There's a little tiny box sitting there in the driveway and she thought this seemed odd and she opened it up and it was a bathroom scale. The funeral services have been planned for Saturday <laughs> at 2 o'clock if you would like to attend. And it's not just anniversaries. It was August the 15th, 2003. I found the story of a man who actually forgot it was his wedding day. The bride was there in the home. She took center place in the large living room waiting for the groom to show up. The guests were all there, and every time the doorbell would ring, all the necks would kind of crane around looking to see if the groom was here, if it is he, and time and time went, and finally it was midnight, and the guests were getting tired. They kept calling his phone. He wouldn't answer his phone at 1 a.m., the guests left, and the bride went to her bedroom to cry. The mother-in-law invited him over for the next day for a little discussion. Didn't tell him why she'd invited him over. He came over, and she was shocked to discover that he had actually forgotten that it was their wedding day. 
and simply had his mobile phone off on that occasion. Found a story in Germany of a man who drove up to the service station, pulled the car up, got out of the car, and walked just a few blocks to his house, and the attendant got worried inside. She called the authorities, and the authorities traced the license plate. They called the man, and he simply had forgotten that his car was there. He walked to the service station, filled up with gas, and then drove it away home. We can forget some pretty important things, can't we? Philip Gully remembers the birth of their first baby, Spencer. He said, I was a good dad. I got up at night with her when she had to feed him. I led him when he spit up on my little shoulder. I was in good humor. Three months after his birth, his wife, Joan, decided that she would return, re-engage in part-time work, and so she gave him that speech that moms give dads about, don't forget this and remember that and be careful about this. Honey, have have I not proven myself trustworthy as a dad? Well, yes, you have. You don't have a thing to worry about. Well, he says, I can only imagine that it was a pain of the mistrust of my wife that caused me to forget my son when I drove off to the grocery store without him. He was driving in the car, looked back to check on his son Spencer, and it was an empty car seat. He slammed on brakes, he ran back home, and there he was in the playpen, just jumping up and down and talking. He was none worse for being forgotten, and he realized one day... Spencer's going to be old enough, and he's going to talk, and he's going to tell. (laughs) He said, so I confessed to my wife, Joan, that night over candlelight and a brand-new silver bracelet. What had happened? (laughs) Being a Christian woman, Joan forgave me, he writes. The very next morning, she says, I'm going to give you another chance. She put handcuffs around my wrist and handcuffs around Spencer's wrist and said she now completely trusted me. He said, I learned two things. Having children causes irreparable damage to the part of the brain that deals with memory. And number two, sometimes we all feel forgotten. Forget your anniversary. Forget your car. Forget your wedding day. Forget your child. We forget some pretty important things, don't we? We really do a lot of forgetting. In fact, researchers at Stanford University have discovered through MIRs that the brain's ability to suppress and get rid of irrelevant memories makes it easier for our brains to withhold or remember the memories that matter. And so the brain pushes out and pushes aside the things that don't really matter so that we can retain and have quick access to things that really do matter, they write. Well... Sometimes forgetting, they say, is a good thing. I found a story in National Geographic about a woman. We'll simply call her name A.J. A.J. forgets absolutely nothing. Her memory is like a continuous running movie in her brain. You call out the day and the time, she will tell you the weather. She will tell you what she was feeling. She will tell you who she was with. Some of you can't remember where you were yesterday. A.J. forgets absolutely nothing. She remembers it all. It's remarkable, the researchers say. 
She can tell you what happened on the Murphy Brown television show, December the 12th, 1988. You ask her what was on that episode. She can tell you. She can tell you absolutely everything. It is permanently recorded in her mind. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. They say, put her to the test. She has the best memory of any living human being, A.J. National Geographic. But there are others who forget all of a sudden. In 2007, a, a lawyer from Westchester County in New York, a 57-year-old husband of two, a Boy Scout leader, a churchgoer, he left the garage near his office, he disappeared. For six months, he was living in another city as a homeless man under a new assumed assigned name. He had literally, when he left his garage, forgotten his own identity. Loss of memory happens more than we know. Sometimes there's no clear physical or medical cause. Sometimes it's trauma or stress, an emotionally tragic event. Our brains shut down like rebooting a computer, and all of a sudden, nothing is there. Then all of a sudden, it all returns. All of a sudden, they remember their name, their address, their phone number, and where they live. We all forget some things, don't we? Have you ever stood with the refrigerator door open and forgotten whether you were putting something in or taking something out? I'm sure none of you have done that, but maybe you have. Or have you ever heard conversations go like this? Well, guess who I saw today? I don't know. What's her name? You saw what's her name today? Yes, well, where did you see what, what's her name? Over at whatchamacallits. <laughs> I actually had a lady ask me, do you remember what I was supposed to tell you? <laughs> That's a true story. I had to disappoint her and tell her I did not remember what I was supposed, she was supposed to tell me. I want to know those two things from this passage about memory today. First of all, we must remember the righteous acts of God. We must remember the righteous acts of God. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 7. So now, take your stand, that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of your Lord, which he did for you and for your fathers. Gather round, Samuel says to ancient Israel. I want you to come in close. I'm going to recall for you <coughs> all the righteous acts that Yahweh has done for you and for your fathers. We must remember the righteous acts of God. But what happened to them? Look at, look at verse 9. But they forgot the Lord, their God. I want to recall for you all the righteous acts that Yahweh has done on your behalf. Verse 7, verse 9. But they forgot. They forgot. We'll look down at, at verse 24. <coughs> Only fear the Lord. And serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider, 
They forgot, consider, remember, we might translate, remember what great things God has done for you. We must remember the righteous acts of God. Verse 7, 9, and 24. What we remember is important. What we forget is important. You see, our, our memory changes who we are. Our habits, our ideologies, our theology, our hope, our fears are all influenced by what we remember about the past. What we remember changes who we are. What we forget changes who we are. If someone has wronged you, someone has hurt you, you have chosen to forgive him or forgive her, and in your mind, you've chosen to forget that thing, to, to wipe the slate clean, it changes who you are. You become a person of hope rather than a person who's bitter. By choosing to forget and let go, by not remembering, it changes who you are inwardly and emotionally. What we forget changes who we are, and what we remember changes who we are. There are a lot of wonderful things to remember. And as we remember the wonderful things that are worth holding on to, it changes us as we remember them. You remember where we are in 1 Samuel. Ancient Israel had demanded a king. You remember the old cycle. They would be disobedient. They would forget God. This isn't the first time they've forgotten God. They forget the wondrous acts of God on their behalf. And then God would allow them to go lose a battle, to fall into captivity, allow them in their loss of memory to make a misstep in regard to their enemies, their neighbors, and then they would remember God and they would cry out to God and God would send a judge like Samuel to deliver them or like Samson. You remember that story. So we have this cycle of the judges. We have they forget, they make a misstep, they call out to God, God respects their memory, and sends a judge to set them free. But now, as we're at this place in the text, last week, you remember, they demanded a king. We want to be like the other nations. We want to have a king. And so God reluctantly allowed them to have a human king. Why, in his economy, it was a theodicy. God was king, and Samuel was judge and prophet. We find in chapter 12 that Samuel has been offended by the fact that they rejected the judgeship. And so he defends himself. Look at chapter 12 and, and verse 1. Then Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have listened to your voice and all that you said to me, and I have appointed a king over you. Now here's the king walking before you, but I am old and gray. My sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my youth even to this day. That's true. Remember his mother Hannah left him at the temple when he was a boy, about four years of age. He's been with them all this time. Look at verse 3. Remember God had told Samuel, they've not rejected you. 
They rejected me from being king, but Samuel took it personally. Look at verse 3. Here I am. Bear witness against me before the Lord and his anointing. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Now turn back to chapter 8. Do you remember what's going to happen? Samuel had told them, if you get a king, he's going to what? Take, take, take. Look at chapter 8. We'll look at verse 11. And he said, this will be the procedure of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and place him for himself in his chariots. Look at verse 13. He will take your daughters as cooks. Verse 14, he will take the best of your fields. Verse 15, he will take a tenth of your seed. Verse 16, he will take your male servants. Verse 17, he will take your flocks. In other words, if you want a king, an unchecked, centralized authority as government, then that king will take, take, take. <coughs> now back to chapter 12. Look what he says. Verse 3. Okay, you didn't want me to be prophet anymore and God to be king. You wanted a king. Now, God's here. Bring it out. What did I do wrong? Whose ox have I, see the play on the verb, taken? A king will take, 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 but I have taken nothing. Whose donkey did I take? King's going to take it, but I didn't take a single beast of burden. Look at, look at the end of verse, uh, rest of verse 3. Whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? I will restore to you. In other words, Samuel's saying, okay, you didn't want me to be judge anymore or prophet anymore, so now here's the deal. I want you to testify where I failed you. From whom did I steal? When did I take a bribe? When was my judgment influenced by someone greasing my palm? And look what the people shout out in verse 4. You've not defrauded us <coughs> or oppressed us. You've not taken any bribes. Well, verse 5. He said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that you have found nothing in my hand. And they said, He is our witness whom did I wrong no one God's witness God's witness okay then gather around I want to recount for you all the righteous acts of Yahweh we must remember the righteous acts of God he begins to tell them a story Look at verse 8. And when Jacob went into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, when the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. So you see, calls them together, testifies as to his own innocence, and then asks, who has I've defrauded? And then he asked, do you remember the righteous acts of God? He begins telling them about Yahweh's righteous and saving deeds. You forgot what? Look at verse 9. They forgot the Lord their 
God. I mean, you might forget an important appointment. It might slip your mind that your best friend's having a birthday. You might even be mid-sentence and say, well, I forgot my train of thought. But how dare they, how dare we forget God? But they did. It was a cycle. Israel forgets God. The enemy prevails. They cry out to God. God sends a judge, and God delivers. That's the way it's worked in the past. But now with a king, how's it going to work? I want you to notice the second thing in this story. We must revere the power of God. We must revere the power of God. Look at verse 12. Now, when you saw that Nahash, the king of the sons of Ammon, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, although the Lord your God was your king. You had a king. You didn't need a new king, he says. Yahweh was your king. Now, therefore, here's the king whom you have chosen, whom you've asked for, and behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. And if you will not listen to the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Even now, take your stand and see the great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Okay, Samuel's saying something like this. You changed everything. God was your king. I was your judge. I didn't take any bribes. I didn't take anybody's donkey. I didn't take anybody's ox. You wanted a king, so here he is. Now, even though that's not what God wanted, if you'll remember God, if you will fear God, if you and your new king will be obedient to the commands of God, then everything will be okay. But I hope you have not forgotten the power of the God whom you serve. I love this story in the Old Testament. Samuel becomes something of a seasoned senator. He's ranting and raving and talking, and all of a sudden he begins to display the mighty power of God. It's like a firework show from God. It's the season for the wheat harvest. It's not the season of thunderstorms or hailstorms. It's not the season for the weather to turn bad. And Samuel says to the people, okay, you need to remember God, and to make sure you remember him, watch this. And all of a sudden, the clouds become black. A lot of, a lot of people even know this story in the Old Testament. The clouds beget, become black, and there's a hailstorm, and it destor destroys the wheat crop, and there's thunder, and there's lightning, and the lightning and the thunder is at the command of Samuel the prophet. It's like his last great speech, his last great stand. They've pushed the old seasoned senator aside. You wanted a king, but don't you forget, God still can. Boom, thunder, lightning, 
in hell. It bothers them. It bothers them because it's not the season for the thunderstorm. It bothers them because their wheat crop, their economy is destroyed. And it bothers them because the weather is at com the command of the prophet. You want to forget God and have a king and not God for your king? You can't do that. We must revere the power of God. Yes, God gave in, but there was a price to pay. But look at verse 22. The Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Look back at verse 17. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I will call to the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and then you will know. You cannot forget. Samuel was a, a rainmaker, the first rainmaker in a sense. Then you will know. Then you will know. But if you'll remember God, God on account of his own name will not forget his people. I love verse 23. And then Samuel says, you've rejected God, you've rejected me, but I will not stop praying for you. I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth and with all your heart, for consider what great things. He says again in verse 23, consider again what great things he has done for you. He calls them together. Remember the righteous acts of God. They forget. And then after the thunderstorm that destroys the crop and shows the command and power of God and puts fear back in the people, he says, God won't forget you. I won't forget you. But you need to remember the things that God has done for you. They forgot the Lord. They forgot the power of God. They forgot what God had done for them. Burton Ruscha, in his book, The Medical Detectives, Volume 2, spoke of a man who was increasingly felt entrapped by his father-in-law's business, and one day he just didn't show up to the store in Boston. And later he found himself in New York, and he went to check into a hotel. When they asked him his name, he realized, I don't even know my name. All of a sudden, he had forgotten who he was and where he was from. Finally, they took him to Bellevue Hospital, and while the doctor was asking him and quizzing him the questions, all of a sudden, he jumped up and he said, I remember who I am. My wife's name is Mildred. I'm from Boston. My last name is Ullen. My name is Walter Ullen. Call my wife, Margaret. He remembered all of a sudden. As quickly as his memory left him, his memory returned. <clears throat> Elkhan and Goldberg, clinical professor of neurology at New York University and author of three books on the human mind, says amnesia is not always a total loss, but sometimes as quickly as it goes, all of a sudden, it returns. The thunderstorm was to help ancient Israel 
remember. Oh, we forget a lot of things, some important, some not worth remembering. But the one thing we must never forget are the mighty acts of God on our behalf. Here's a lady who carries around sin from days gone by, years gone by, decades gone by. Has she forgotten that Jesus died on the cross, that she could be free from that sin? The only reasonable reason she would carry around yesterday's sin is she has forgotten the mighty act of God on her behalf. If we remember the acts of God, it changes everything about us. Here's a man who stands by the graveside of his own father, realizing everything's changed, the death of his dad. And he is grieving like the rest, Paul would say, who have no hope. It's okay to grieve, but God's people grieve with hope. Has he forgotten the story of the empty tomb of Jesus, whom his father had trusted? Does he not know that just as surely as the tomb of Jesus was empty, that one day on that day, the tomb of his father will be empty as well? You see the power of memory? Remembering the acts of God on our behalf. God wasn't happy with ancient Israel because ancient Israel forgot. What would God say to you? Would God think in his mind, I can't believe that Richard forgot the time that I Or I can't believe that Karen doesn't cherish that act of my grace. Congregation, you're going to forget more than you ever learn. But never, ever, ever forget the righteous acts of Yahweh. Let us pray. Oh, God, we sang today, we will remember. We will remember and acknowledge and rejoice in all that you've done for us, your people. Your blessings, your goodness, fresh every day. Maybe there's one here this morning who needs to claim that righteous act of God on the cross of Calvary and say, today is my day to call Jesus Lord and Savior. Today she will come, he will come and say, Jesus is Lord. Maybe someone else has been following Jesus for a long time but never been part of a, a body of Christ. Today is his day or her day or others who need to come and be a part of this great church. If you should call, may they have the courage to answer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.